Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. How many of you are here for something? Thank you, Ruben. How many of you are here for something? It's so important to come with expectation. Not only with what's going to happen during worship, but also with the message. And so when we come with expectation, the beautiful thing about it is when we come with expectation, we're always going to get more than what we're expecting because it's beyond what we could have imagined or even thought. Come on. But if we don't come with expectation, we're going to get what we're coming for. (laughs) Come on. How many of you like buffets? You did at one point. And a lot of times, if it's your favorite one, you really come with an expectation, don't you? And how many of you know you get more than what you ever could have imagined or ever thought? My thing is, I'm going to get my money's worth. It's like going to a buffet and I'll get the salad. Okay. There's no point in going to a buffet then, right? Someone's like, but are you coming with expectation? I'm not saying that you're not. It's just a rhetorical question. Are you coming with expectation? Are you coming with a hope that something amazing is going to happen? Because when you come with expectation, you position yourself for it. When I was a little kid, I played baseball for one year. And I was not expecting the ball to come flying at me, even though we were on the baseball field. And it was a little too much for me. See, when you are expecting, you'll position. You'll ready yourself. And so sometimes we miss some things because we're not ready for it. All right, that was just bonus. So today I want to talk about commanding influence. Oh, well, I got hit in the face. And um, the, the silver lining of it is they didn't have any ice, so they had a slushy machine. And so I thought that was pretty amazing. I don't know. how I was probably Maxwell's. I don't know, maybe eight, nine, something like that. Yeah, so that was the silver lining is 
slushy on your face. So today I want to talk about commanding influence. And if we're going to command influence, we must understand this truth. And this truth is that we've been created, we've been designed to function as a vessel. It's actually part of our creation or spiritual DNA. When God created man, he created him to function as a vessel. It's a part of our design. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure, say treasure, in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So what is this verse talking about? Is we are vessels that God inhabits. That the light of God, his glory and the power would overflow and would be seen, right? Would be experienced. And people will say, oh, that's God and not of you. Come on. And what does, what does this verse say? It's a treasure. 2 Timothy 2, 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, which means to be set apart, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So two, two places in scripture, it calls us vessels. We can see this same concept, uh, concept in 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and you are not your own. Sounds pretty familiar, right? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit that he is in you. Meaning we are a container. We are a vessel for the Holy Spirit. Are you guys following me? Luke 6, 45 a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Do you see that again? Container, vessel, right? And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You see, the earlier examples referred to the believers, and the last passage speaks to mankind as a whole. Humankind was designed by our creator to function as a vessel. And the quality of that vessel was determined by the contents it carried and conveyed. Come on. So the quality of the vessel was depending what, what the vessel carried. And actually, if you look in that... Uh, in 2 Timothy, it was talking about two different, two different vessels. And back then, they had two different types of vessels. We kind of have that now, but it's more modernized. But they had a vessel for eating, right? For putting plants in or whatever, right? And then they also had vessels for toiletries, right? Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, what is it talking about? So the quality of the vessel was determined by the contents it carried. Are you guys seeing this? So what is the purpose or what is the function of a vessel? Vessels are designed to hold. Say hold. To transfer. To carry. To convey. To receive. 
and to distribute. So we were designed with this purpose and function in mind. It's really interesting that the word of God speaks to the individualized saint as what? A vessel, right? But in a corporate sense, what, what does the scripture call, um, well, the body of Christ, right? So we are individually vessels, but in, cor- in a corporate sense, in a, in a community sense, we are the body. So in biology, we have these things in our body called vessels. The biggest ones are arteries and veins, and their purpose is to carry blood throughout the, bo- the body. What is the purpose of blood for the body? Life. Are you guys seeing this? So the same is true for the body of Christ. In, in a community sense, in a, in a corporate sense, all of us together are the body of Christ, but it is our responsibility as vessels to carry life to the rest of the body. Are you guys? And I'm going to get into more on that later, but that was just a little teaser. Now that we know as part of our design to function as vessels, how does that correlate with influence? So what does it mean to influence or be influenced? Influence originated from the Latin word that means inflow, which means an act or process of flowing in or into. Or you can think of it this way. Influence means to move into place. Okay? Generally speaking, for something to move into place, it requires structure. Now, if there's not a river or lake nearby, what does a farmer have to do? They have to create an irrigation system, right? So they're creating vessels to transfer water to a place that wouldn't have water, right? How many of you ever go out? How many of you ever garden, right? You have a hose, right? The, the water's underground. Uh, you turn on the spigot, it comes up, and it's transferred to where you want it, right? How about finances? How many of you know funds need a channel to flow through? Banking system, checks, cash, right? How about information or the internet or a book? Unless there is a channel, you can't access it. Unless there is a channel for it, you can't access it. How many of you know that there's Wi-Fi floating around here right now? There's radio waves floating through here right now. Can you see them? No. No, you can't. But if you have a receiver, come on. If you have a receiver, then you can access it. And this is the same for the kingdom of God or how kingdom influence flows. If you look at Matthew, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Say on earth. As it is in heaven. But for that to happen, it requires a vessel. Now, I know God can move and do miraculous things, but generally speaking, for heaven to come to earth, it needs a vessel. See, a lot of times we think, oh, Jesus taught us, taught us to pray like this so God would do something. Actually, this prayer is for you to do something, for you to be the vessel. When we say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're saying sign me up to be a vessel. 
Come on. And the majority of people will not experience heaven unless they encounter a vessel of it. What are you filled with? And, and the reason I wanted to talk about this today, because, and I'm sure a lot of times we say, in this point in history, there are a lot of crazy things going on throughout history. So my point in saying this is uh, there is so much information coming at us trying to influence us all the time. But what will, be, will we be a people that carry the kingdom of God or the talking points? Come on. or the talking points of this world. Influence deals with direction, access, and movement. Direction means where is it going and where is it coming from? Have you ever, um, well, have you ever drank something and you're like, um, where is this coming from? Or you ever go to, hey, I'm not like this. I just know some people like this, so I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. But sometimes when you're at a picnic and you're like, who made this? Anybody know who made this? Looks good, but I'm just not quite sure where this is coming from. All right. It also deals with access. Do I allow access or do I restrict access? Okay. So just like the hose, you can access it and you can restrict it or you can turn it off. This is really important to understand, guys. It also deals with movement, meaning influence is not stagnant. It's actually happening all the time. Just like those radio waves, just like that Wi-Fi, it's happening whether you realize it or not. Come on, guys. Every person experiences both, receiving and giving. So influence revolves around this idea. What flows into me means I'm being influenced. Because what is influence? It means to move into place. So what flows into me means I'm being influenced. And what flows from me means what? I am the influencer. Okay? See, a lot of time we, we think, I have to have this platform. I have to be this great. We're all influencing at all times. At all times it's happening. Even right now. I'm presenting a truth to you that I've received. Will you receive it or not? And I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just you have a choice. Right? You have a choice to receive something or not to receive something. Commanding influence, commanding means to take a position of authority. To command something means you take a position of authority. So if we're commanding influence, right? If we're commanding influence, what authority are we taking? Control of what leaves me and what comes to me. In order to command influence, We must step into our authority. And the greatest authority that we have is the power to command 
ourselves. Do you realize this? The greatest authority you will ever have, ever have, is to control yourself. As much as I would like to control some situations with my children, I might have authority, right? Aiden, do I have authority? (laughs) See, I like that answer. Uh, I have authority, but it still pales in comparison to the authority that I have with myself. Come on. A lot of times, we want other people to control what they're doing, right, rather than us controlling ourselves. And which is the greatest authority that we actually have? How much authority can we really walk in if we can't command ourselves? So we've been designed to function as vessels, but it also comes with the responsibility, say responsibility, and the authority to steward it. So when we command influence, we are stepping into our God-given authority and responsibility. Come on. We are actually taking a position of authority, which is actually empowered by our connection to the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is basically the reflection of our connection with him. Okay, so the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So our spiritual authority is rooted in self-control. It's actually the beginning of it. Like I said, how can we expect to have authority elsewhere if we can't then control ourselves? So we are vessels. What's inside of you Come on, what's inside of you should never surprise you. Self-control is the beginning of authority. So what's inside of you should never surprise you. You've been given authority to rule your vessel. Philippians 4.11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. This is Paul speaking. Paul had an easy road, didn't he? So easy. Just writing books from his loft. No, right? So Paul is saying this. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Come on. He was stoned. He was persecuted. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. There's books that he's written from a prison cell. And he said, listen, I'm not talking about whatever state I'm in, I can be content. Come on. Contentment means freedom from worry, anxiety, restlessness, peaceful satisfaction. So Paul exercised his authority by commanding his his internal reality. He goes on to declare, I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me. What are those, all those things? Who wants to sign up for that? <laughs> but self-control is a reflection of our connection with the Holy Spirit, meaning it's beyond my ability. I love it. We've been given freedom to control ourselves, but there's actually a level of self-control that's beyond your ability. Whoa. That sounds a little bit like what Paul was talking about. Whatever state I'm in, I'm content. Come on. Help us, Jesus. Help us, help us. You've been given this great responsibility, but, but how then do we command influence? Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, say above all else. Guard your heart for everything you do flows. What is influence? To move into place, to f- an inflow, Right? For everything you do flows from it. So what is, what is the command center of influence? Meaning, well, think of, um, Atlanta. how many of you have ever been to Atlanta Airport? A lot of planes go there, right? So there's ones coming and then they're going. So what is that Atlanta Airport in, our, in ourselves? It's our heart. Because there are things always coming in, but then there's always things going. And then he says, above all else, guard your heart. Now, there's a, I want to give a little side note here. But to guard your heart also means to allow good in. See, I don't want you to fall for that trap. means, oh, I'm supposed to guard my heart, so I'm going to put up walls so no one can see who I really am. Come on. And one of the ways an opposing army would get a walled city to surrender, what would they do? The what? Well, they would stop their flow of resources. No good in, nothing coming out. Come on. And so sometimes we're trying to live as walled cities and we're not letting anything good in. And all that stuff inside is just building up. Come on, guys. So we were created to receive and to extend life. Your vessel is only so big. I'm going to say that again. Your vessel is only so big. Have you ever hit your limit? No one knows what I'm talking about there. Have you ever hit your limit and things just start pouring out? Out of the overflow of the heart. Come on. And I'm not saying that's who you are. I'm just saying you allowed things to build up and then they came pouring out. Are you guys seeing this? Why are we guarding? Why are we watchful? There's two reasons. There's always incoming influence. It's happening whether you realize it or not. That's both positive and negative. But are you aware of what's influencing you? I'm going to say this again. What's inside of you should never surprise you. 
The incoming influence, another reason why we guard our hearts is the incoming influence you allow will directly affect your outgoing influence. Do you realize that your response to life is a reflection of what's influencing you? How you interact with those around you, how you interact with the world around you is a reflection of what's influencing you. Because what did Proverbs 4 say? For everything you do flows from it. Thank you, Father. Can you see why we must take command or take authority of that influence? Well, how do we do that? The first step is to be aware of it. Whether you're conscious of it or not, it's happening. The second step is to take command or take your place of authority Take your responsibility for it. Remember, you have the power to decide what you will give access to. Say it with me. My heart, my vessel. Come on. And I'm sure all of us have been here, been at this point at some, some point in our life where you're like, I don't like what's coming out of me. Have you ever been there? And my encouragement to you is take the authority that you have. Come on, guys. We were created to be vessels, and we've been given the responsibility and the authority to guard it. Are you guys following me? Thank you, Father. So if you're not liking what is flowing from you, start changing what's flowing in you. See, a lot of times we can be, some, we can be so frustrated with behavior modification. Oh, I didn't like this. I didn't like this. And we're trying to deal with the action of it. But really, all you have to do is address the source of it. Well, I don't like that anger. I'm always feeling angry all the time. What is feeding that source? Come on. So we're trying to fix, we're trying to fix the action. We're trying to fix the feeling, but never deal with the source. Because if it keeps on flowing in, it's going to keep on flowing out. Have you ever started watering the plants and you're like, oh, there's a kink in it. It's a bloop. What happened? You stopped the flow. So sometimes you just got to disconnect from that source. Are you guys following me? And that's really the weight of freedom. You know that we're kings and priests? That's really the weight of the crown. Responsibility to manage your vessel. So this message isn't necessarily about what you should or shouldn't consume. 
I'm not going to tell you. I'm just saying, do you like what's flowing from you? Or maybe it's not a like or dislike. Is this kingdom, is this Christ-like? Come on. Thank you, Father. See, a lot of the things that I'm kind of going through right now are kind of saying the same thing. I, I like to beat dead horses. That's what I like to do when I teach, so. <laughs> are you a glutton for punishment, Reuben? <laughs> He's like, keep pounding. I was like, well, Reuben said so. Let's keep on going. So how do we take command of influence that we're unaware of? Did you know that it's believed that 98% of your brain activity is completely unconscious? Meaning you have no control, right? You don't know what's happening. How many of you are telling, like when you eat, you say, okay, body, now it's time to digest. <laughs> Heart, I need you to start beating, right? Most of us sometimes struggle with the thoughts that we have. Much of what goes in the brain is unconscious. This also lets us know that the world around us is influencing us on a subconscious level. It's happening. All the time, it's happening. That shouldn't be a scary thing. I'm just saying you have the spigot. You have the power. So if you are always angry and frustrated about what's happening in the world, you have the power. You got power. We, we must realize that we have the power to directly affect our unconscious reality, and we do that by commanding our conscious reality. So if 98% of our inner workings of the brain we're unconscious about, how do we actually take command of that? Well, we do that by commanding what we know already. And I'll give you examples of that. Well, that's why in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says to take every thought captive. That means you're conscious of it. You can't take thought captive that you're unconscious of, Okay. So I'm not saying you have a responsibility to go dig in things and dig stuff up. I'm just saying if you have a thought that is contrary to the word of God, you're conscious of it. Meaning you have the power to do something about it. This is why we speak faith statements and command our body to come into alignment in accordance to the word of God. We are not only addressing our conscious reality, but our unconscious reality. Our brain is doing 98% of its job without you realizing it. And we don't even realize it until it's actually affecting us. Have you ever been in a situation where you became afraid? What starts happening? Your heart starts to beat fast. You start sweating, right? You get anxious. Did you tell your your heart to do that? 
Did you tell your lungs to breathe heavier? Your brain was doing it, right? So it was doing things within the body that you were unconscious of, right? And because you became aware of it, what did you do? Well, there were two options, right? Everything's going to be okay. What do you do? You begin to talk to yourself. Are you guys following this? So you're taking your conscious reality and speaking to yourself, and then what starts happening? The heart rate goes down. The breathing changes. But then there's the other option. I'm going to die. Everybody always does this to me. On, and then what happens? It gets worse, and that's what we call anxiety attacks. Are you guys seeing this? So what does this tell us? That our conscious thoughts affect our unconscious activity in the body. I have a question for you. Have you ever wondered, have you ever, how about this? Have you ever said, I'm always tired? Could it be because you always say that you're tired, that your brain is reacting to what you're saying to it? Just like when the heart rate went up, you began to speak to yourself or you began to speak face statements and it actually caused the body to shift. So if you're saying, I'm always tired, maybe your body is doing what you've been saying. Oh, it's flu season. Allergy season again. You know, I can't really trust people. So what happens? Your body language starts showing it. Right? Your body language starts showing it. You're standing over in the corner looking like you're going to murder someone. So what's happening? You're feeding your thoughts and saying, I can't trust people. People are going to hurt me. So guess what? My face is starting to show I'm ready to attack anybody that comes near me. I'm ready to put up every wall. Come on. Are you guys following me? And this is why we declare heaven's reality. This is why we identify with Christ's identity. And this is why we de decree the truth of his word, because it has the power, say power, to change us from the inside out. Just like having that mean mug because all the, the, the things that you're telling yourself, you can start speaking life, start speaking the truth of the kingdom, and it literally will change your demeanor. Are you guys seeing this? Thank you, Father. I'm going to go over this quickly. So I talked about our personal responsibility to steward our own vessel. But what about our responsibility as someone in a community or part of a body that is bigger than ourselves? Remember how I said individually we're called vessels, but collectively 
We're called the body of Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by. How many counted 15 comforts there? All right. So this verse charts out the flow of life. Remember, influence is flow, right? It's moving into place. So what is the source of life in a kingdom culture? According to that verse, the source is Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, okay? So God is the original. He's the pattern. He's the source. And the kind of comfort and love and peace and joy that God offers can only be supplied by him. A good way to put this is God has a monopoly on what he supplies. If you're going to get what he supplies, you got to go to him. He is the source. And then the next thing it goes to is who comforts us all, who comforts us in all our afflictions. So now we open ourselves up to receive the flow of life from the source. So how, how do we do this? We are vessels. We connect to the source of life, all life. And the, like we all, we all can love, we can all have peace, but the kind of love and peace and joy that it's, it's on another level than we can ever do on our own strength, okay? So what we do is we connect we connect to the source, John 7, 35. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Are you guys seeing this? Anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And the cool thing about it is when God pours himself out, he does it more than what we could ever need. He does it to overflowing. And then it goes on to say, so that we may be able to comfort those who are afflicted. Now I become the open conduit for kingdom life to flow from me. Do you see how, how a healthy kingdom culture works? It's we connect to the source of life and then he comforts us, Right? And then with the comfort that he gives us, we then are the conduit of heaven. So it, in, this, in that verse, it's dealing with comfort, but it's love, it's joy. It's the fruits of the spirit, the, the life of the kingdom. So here's the flow. God is the source. God pours in as much as for you to overflow. And from that overflow, we can exchange the life with those around us. So what does a healthy kingdom culture look like? First, a people that are committed to connecting to the source. Say with me, I need to be connected to the source. And it also means a people that are connected to heart and covenant, meaning that they're committed to an exchange of life between one another. So we commit to the source, but then we're also committing to those around us to extend that same life that we've gotten. Are you guys getting this? 
The members can never be the substitute for the source. You know, I can love, but I'm not the source of love. I can encourage, but I'm not the source of all encouragement. There is no church or community that can take the place of your responsibility to connect to the source of life. If you think that you're going to get all that you need just from coming on Sunday mornings, you're missing out. And you have a responsibility to connect to that source. And community can only work when there is an exchange of life. When this exchange flows properly, the life always leads back to the source. I want to say this again. When this exchange is done properly, it always leads back to the creator. It always leads back to the source of life. Because remember, you're not the source of life for someone. You're not the source of of love and joy. Now, there might be a place where you are uh, connecting them to heaven's reality, but if you want them to grow, you need to lead them to the source. And you will never really help someone when they believe you're the source. And you will never be satisfied if you're relying on others to meet your needs. Why is that? Why? Why wouldn't we be satisfied by trying to have other people meet our needs? Because remember, we're designed in a way to experience overflow. Because when God pours out, he pours out to overflow. And there is no one on the planet that can fill you to overflow. Come on. And this process only works because God doesn't give you just what you need. He gives you more than enough. This is why people solely... This is why people can't solely meet your needs because you were designed to have more than what you need. And the truth is you will suck the life out of a person if you think that they're your source. Come on. That doesn't mean you can't be a conduit of it. It just means that you can't replace the source. So the goal is Yes, we first must be committed to connecting to the source of all life. You know where burnout comes? When you disconnect from the source. See, a lot of times we think it's work or this, and those things can be taxing on our bodies. But I find that when there's burnout where you just want to give up, it's because you're not really connecting to the source of all life. Thank you, Father. The source is always God, but our responsibility as the body is to keep it flowing. I'm not a doctor, but I would imagine if blood stopped flowing, it would cause death. I don't have a PhD in that, but I'm pretty certain in that. So how does that relate to us? We stay connected to the source, but then we must be committed to extending that life to those around us. Does this make sense? I hope that this really encouraged you because like I said, there's so many things bombarding us to fill us up. And I will say this, 
Something will have greater influence on you based on the level that you're at in your vessel. Okay, my example is your burnout. And then you hear something. And then that fills your vessel. But what if we stay committed to always staying connected to that source? When something comes in, it's not going to take the place, right? Because you're already filled. Scripture says, do not give foothold to the enemy. When I think of foothold, I think of you go to shut the door and the enemy puts his foot to stop it. Don't give a place, even a little place, for the enemy. Lord, we just come before you, and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would connect to your heart, connect to, Lord, what you're saying. And, Lord, if there's situations in our life where we can turn the faucet off, per se, Lord, give us strength to do that. But Lord, our first commitment should be connecting with your heart and what you're saying. And God, we just lift you up. We magnify you, God. You know, when I think of magnify, it's not like we're making God bigger. He's big. You know, there's times when when kids are little, there's not as many boundaries, right? So they'll come up and get right at your face. That's what I think of magnify, magnify God. It doesn't mean God's getting bigger. It means you get so close to his face that he becomes magnified. So Lord, we just thank you and give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Could we have the healing team come up?